This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right. Welcome to a somber episode 13 of the Clip City Podcast on Blue Wire. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. I'm joined by my buddy, Clippers fan, audio wizard, ringer legend, uh, Isaac Lee. Isaac, I know you're a little emotional right now. How are yeah. you feeling? Um, just as you said, I'm, I'm very emotional right now. It's such a magical season. Truly, truly an amazing journey and, and a, an amazing ride and just incredible. And like, I, I feel like people might think that's being hyperbolic it's not at all I, I i even think it's not enough praise for how absolutely unbelievable the season has been and i mean i just said has been it's over it's yeah. over now and I'm, re- I'm really sad we should say we're recording this in staple center in the stands uh while people are dismantling this venue and it really feels like the end of something special we're podcasting at a funeral right now. It's yeah, it's, yeah, that, that is so, what it feels like. <laughs> uh, I, I thought the the most fitting ending and, and send off for this team. You, know, you had the emotional standing ovation for for Pat and Lou and Trez, yes, yes. but but even before that, you know, this game was kind of over at halftime, but really in, into the third quarter once the Warriors stretched the lead out a bit. Uh, I think it got us around twenty four. So, mm. but the fact that this team was still down double digits, the game was over, the season was over. You could just tell, but they were still pushing the Warriors, and, and Steve Kerr left his death lineup, the Hamptons Five lineup, whatever you want to call it, mm. out until the you know final two minutes of that game, and I, I just thought that that was such a fitting ending for this team, for them to be fighting and, and clawing and scrapping until the the very end. You know, a lot a lot of teams would have just folded, put their third string guys in, you know, whatever, and, and they kept fighting, and, and I think that really just summed up this season of what this team went through from exceeding preseason expectations mm. like the, the, yeah. you know this team was they were the only 15 people that thought uh yeah. they were going to make the playoffs this season you know at, or for the most part and then you know after the tobias trade i, I remember thinking well you know the, the playoffs might be out of reach now it might be unrealistic and, and then playing golden state it was like well sweet maybe golden state screws around loses a game but like this team stole you know and, and earned two wins yeah. against the warriors in oracle and, and i just thought this season went as well as it realistically could have, unless they played Denver maybe in round one and like beat them or push them to seven. Maybe that was like a slightly better outcome, but I think to take two from Golden State, it was just special. Yeah, it's more impressive than you know the two wins that they've won in Oracle Arena. Very impressive, but I think the most most impressive win is that they've won respect. They've won respect from their fans, which is really important because this is a fan base that has suffered through a lot in in the yeah. past and you know more recently obviously the lob city years were were great but they were full of disappointment but 
this specific season, this specific roster, this specific team has won the respect of its fans. And, and it is like universally, definitively the most beloved Clippers team in franchise history. And additionally to that, they've won the respect of the league. They've won respect of all the NBA fans in the world. They've won the respect of NBA media people. They've won the respect of hopefully, I mean, you know, let's not, yeah. let's not let's skip over the elephant in the room. Hopefully, some star-free agents who are going to consider their options this summer and look at Los Angeles as a big market, and they're going to look at the Clippers team as a, a great team, a great destination. Yeah, I think that was the elephant in the room. I, I wanted to ask Doc something about that post-game, <laughs> but I was like, I don't think he's going to give me a, a straight answer, and, yeah. and I don't think it was necessarily the setting after they just lost, but... I think to what you just said, the Clippers like have never. I think the big difference between the the way they've built this team the last two years and, and that Lob City thing was, Lob City. You know, I, I don't think they were a great franchise during that kind of stretch, and it was like they kind of lucked into Blake Griffin. You got the number one pick from being really bad and getting Blake Griffin. DeAndre Jordan was a really good pick, and they had you know DeAndre, Eric Gordon, Bloodso. Like they they had some good picks or, or trades for picks in that stretch, but and good development. Yeah, and and you know I think it was better. You know, then they kind of went through a cold streak for like seven years before Lachey now. But point being, like I didn't think they had really turned as a franchise, and you still had Sterling. Uh, this is a, a late shot, but you still had Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, still taking shots. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and, you know, I just felt the infrastructure, the front office, the way they were operating, you know, it was a lot of short-sighted moves, you know, trading away picks. That in part was on Doc. And, you know, you just looked at that the team and it was just a lot of bad filler around that kind of core four guys. Mm. But you, you look at what they've done the last two years, really stripping down the roster, stripping down the contracts, you know, a lot of more short-term contracts, which are going to set them up nicely, not only for free agency this summer, summer after and the summer after. They have a lot of cap flexibility. Now they have a bunch of young guys. They have a bunch of picks. And, you know, on top of that, they've been winning. You know, they had they not... I think last season that they had the most injury, like most missed games of all time. If not, they're up there in like the top three, right. top five. Um, they had like 11 games, I believe. They had multiple guys out for the, basically yeah. the whole season. Yeah. Had they not had that, maybe they sneak in as an eight seed, probably. This season they snuck in as an eight seed, but they really were closer to like a five or six seed than an eight seed. And, and I just thought that this, what they've built the last two years, you know, revamp front office with Steve Bonner, uh, Bonner, Steve Balmer's, mm. you know, his vision, his guidance, his enthusiasm and passion, what they built, I, I think is something, you know, the beginning of something special. And, and even if they don't get a free agent this summer, which I, I think, I think they will, I assume you think they will too. Even if they don't, like, they're still so, you know, well set up for the season after the season after like there's no rush for this team uh right. you know i, I know that the fans want that the fans want you know Kawhi and kd and want to be contenders well, the, the favorite of who course doesn't? of course yeah. but you know realistically i you know if you get one guy or you don't get one guy i still think they're they're well set up and you know that's something that you couldn't have said it kind of always felt like if blake leaves or chris leaves whatever they're screwed now it's like we we have something here that for years to come is going to be sustainable. And I think just moving forward, the future is very bright for them. Yeah, the future is very bright. 
I would like to linger a little bit on what kind of a magical season yeah. this season was really quickly because it just ended and... Well, let's talk about it. Honestly, <laughs> I, I'm still, you know, I'm very emotional as we said up top. Like, it was so fun to, to root for this team because this is a team that had no expectations. It's not accurate to say it had little ex- low expectations. It had no expectations. No one thought this team would accomplish anything. No one thought this team would really, you know compete at a, at a high level or even play a fun style of basketball and they did both they won and they played a fun style of basketball and a lot of that is credit to doc who really it must be the best coaching of his career like I, I think so it has to be right with the talent that he had on the roster the turmoil uh, or not the turmoil but turnover yeah of yeah. the roster mid-season with Tobias Harris, their leading scorer and rebounder, um, being traded. You, like, you know, I've spoken to you about this, but I was not very high on Tobias. I thought he was too passive to be the lead guy. I think he's in the perfect role in Philly as their fourth guy. <laughs> um, <if laughs> not, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, if not their fifth sometimes. Because yeah, no. JJ, uh, fellow Ringer employee, yeah. uh, sometimes is their fourth guy. But I digress. I think this team, what they've done with so little should be applauded and it shouldn't be just brushed off as oh you know clippers fans like this you know it, maybe this was just like a, a little nice little cute season for the clippers fans not a nice little story you know they, they made the playoffs they got ousted in the first round against the warriors but how they did it matters more than what they have accomplished yeah and, and i think something that you know, Clippers observers saw that that the rest of the NBA was kind of late to catching on to was that this team actually was more talented than, than people were. You know, like I, there was that. I think the extra something, the extra oomph behind the team was mm-hmm. yeah. What yeah. <laughs> was that that intangible like heart, yeah. effort, hustle, whatever you want to call it? But I, I think people were also too quick to kind of diminish, like Gallo and Tobias had all-star seasons. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and and Lou... It's a freaking travesty that they didn't make the all-star. Like, yeah. one of them didn't make the all-star L- team. Lou got better as the season went along and eventually became an all-star level guy like he was mm-hmm. last season. And mm-hmm. frankly, his numbers were better than last season. Uh, yeah. Trez, you know, I actually thought was the sixth man of the year for most of the year until I, I felt Lou eventually passed him. Mm-hmm. Like, Shea, for him to be a... like. Shay, you know, I'm I I have a piece My coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I have a piece coming out, uh should be out in the morning, kind of a feature on on the season and kind of a look back on things. But I think to me, like this season was always about Shay. And interesting. You know, like I, I just felt like like this team at its absolute I think that the, the team maximized their potential. I, I think that would be fair to say. Like Again, we don't know what would have happened in a different matchup. Maybe they played Denver or Portland and, and beat them. Uh-huh. But I would say like 48 wins, you know, six games in the first round of the Warriors of all teams. Right. You know, even even like six games against Denver or Portland, I don't think would have necessarily been a failure. But like to push the Warriors to six games, I think like they kind of hit their, their peak or close to their peak this season, especially after they traded Tobias. Like, you know, mm-hmm. who knows how good they could have been had Tobias stayed. And well, they I mean, they won 18 and 9 after yeah. the trade. It's not like... It, no, they got better. But yeah. But I, I just felt like this season, I mean, like Shea, I think the next great Clippers team is probably going to have Shea on it. Mm. And so you, you're saying that you don't think they're going to package him for an Anthony Davis team? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Wow. Um, okay. I think that for them, 
from my understanding, it, it seems like they don't want to recreate some of the issues that have been in, in situations like Cleveland or New Orleans where you kind of deplete your young assets to mm. bring in a star. And, it, you know, now maybe that changes if they get a, if they get Kawhi, KD, Kyrie, and that kind of ups the timeline. But I think the scenario in which they don't get one of those guys, I do not think they would trade for Anthony Davis. Okay. Um, because, I mean, realistically, the package for Anthony Davis is going to be something like Shea, Lou, Trez, or Landry, and like the Miami pick, and pro- maybe even another pick. And then at that point, you're depleting, like. You, you don't know, think Gallo's going to be in that? Maybe. Maybe yeah. for the. Con- the you know, New Orleans wants to dump some contracts. Yeah. Uh, but I-, I just think for what they'd have to give up. You'd just be depleting your team, you, you know, of depth. Yeah. And, you know, for, for a guy like Anthony Davis, for as great as he is, I, I think he's a top seven player in the league. We've seen, like, his teams, those New Orleans teams, even some of the better ones were always kind of like mid-40s, mm-hmm. you know, losing the first round. Like, I don't know if, like, I think the ideal scenario would obviously just be signing him outright in 2020. I don't know how realistic that is, but that's why I think for the Clippers, like the, the goal really should be get a Kawhi or KD in free agency because in that scenario, you're probably keeping everyone you want to keep. You could still probably bring back Pat or, or Jermichael. Maybe you have to pick between those two, but you could keep the rest of the core, yeah. add one of those guys, and, and then maybe keep a free agent or two and then really go into next season with like the same top eight mm-hmm. and a star, which would I think that team becomes second or third best team in the West, depending on what happens at Golden State. But so my point with, with Shea was that I just felt like to me he he's their best prospect since Blake Griffin, and Blake Griffin was the number one pick, so it's not even really fair to compare him. Mm-hmm. If you want to take Blake Griffin out of it, like he's probably the best prospect since Lamar or or Elton or or Darius, like the, yeah. going back to the yeah. early two thousands. Yeah. So you know I think for him to get to become the starter so soon into the season ten games in, for him to to have these big game reps against Clay and Steph and KD, mm-hmm. like. I think that's just so invaluable and, and so, you know, important for his development long-term. But that was kind of heading into the season. Now they added a guy like Landry. Now they added Oof. Zubats. Like, I think this young core, throwing Jerome, throwing Trez, you know, people forget how young Trez is. Uh, this is only his fourth season. Yeah. Like, I think this team has the makings of something special, especially if they can add a star. Because I, I think looking at this roster, if you just put, you know, uh, Kawhi on it, for example – and moved everyone down the pecking order, you got a really, really good team. You know, they won 48 games without a quote-unquote star. You add one of those guys, you're looking at 55 to 57 wins, I think, and, and that's that's mm-hmm. a really, really good team that would have been uh, fighting Golden State for number one, and I think next season you could be looking at that. Yeah, it's a, it, was, it would be fantastic if we, we I'm using the royal we here, <laughs> if the, the Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or some sort of top five star in the league. I will believe it when I see it. The yeah. Clippers have never signed a marquee free agent ever. ever they've re-signed, yeah. you know, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, but they've never signed a marquee free agent outright. It's interesting to me with Shea, how you're you're lauding him. And I agree with everything that you said. He surprised almost everybody. Almost everybody except for maybe just Jerry West. Yeah. You know, I hated the pick uh, when they traded really? up. Yeah, I hated it. I was Who'd you want? I wanted Miles Miles Bridges who okay. they took with the yeah. 12th pick and traded up. And um it was, it was a really smart move by Charlotte to hold hold them hostage because yeah, they absolutely. know they wanted that shit. Yeah, yeah I, I really wanted Miles Bridges obviously um 
I'm a Michigan State fan because my dad went there and uh, really wanted Bridges. But I will never doubt Jerry West again, basically, <laughs> is, is what I'm saying. Is It became so quickly apparent that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a special young prospect and that he has all the tools to become a really unique point guard in, in a very point guard heavy league. And I think not just Shea, but the young core, I'm just agreeing with everything you just said. Like the, <laughs> the young core with Shamit, who they traded for midseason, with Jerome Robinson. By the way, Rome, I, let, let me do a little digression here on Rome. Rome's really good. He, I thought, was just an incredible find from, from Jerry West because I had thought they were just going to take like Lonnie Walker or someone as injury prone as, as Porter Jr. But they took Jerome Robinson out of Boston College who basically nobody had ever heard of at, with the 13th pick. And yeah. you saw him at, at, in, the, in the latter half of the season and he really blossomed into a really great role player and with a higher upside than I think people give him credit for. Because if he can become that 3 and D wing, and by the way, his defense is coming along and his three-pointer... It's gone a lot better. His three-pointer tonight, I thought he was being way too hesitant because yeah. I was here um, here as in, like on the court in Staples Center and he was just draining them. Imagine if that guy gets some shred of confidence on the court. Like I think he's going to be really, really, really good, a really solid ro- rotation player for the Clippers. Anyways, that oh, was a yeah. long, that was like way too long. Yeah, like Jerome yeah, Robinson, uh, it was good to bring him up. That, that was, was yeah. My producer brain is like, yeah, that's too long. Let's <laughs> let's cut that down. Anyhow, I think this young core is great. I think Lou will. I'm I'm agreeing with you that Lou will and and, and Trez are really great additions to a star free agent that they they might sign. At the same time, I want to warn against something. This team was special, but it's kind of fluky. I hope that Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger and the entire front office is smart enough to realize that it's not sustainable for Gallo and Pat Bev to play upwards of 50 games every year because that's just not their track record. Yeah. And I wrote about this on The Ringer. Like, we have to be brutal. We, the Royal We, again, we have to be cold-blooded about how we think about the future because you can't bank on this happening again. The injury luck was supreme. Yeah. The amount of of heart and, and the hard work, and the diligence and, and the cohesion, it's not necessarily replicable. It can be. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that. And, and I, I think the other thing that, that's gonna be interesting with this with this summer is that this team all season rallied around the fact that they were underrated, the fact that yeah. people didn't appreciate them, the fact that they had such low expectations. If they get a star this summer, mm. that's going to change that. Yes. And, and, you know, I, I think already the narrative had changed so much on them towards the end of the season, especially now taking two games for Golden State, where, like, even if they bring the same core back, they don't get a star. You know, re- re-sign Pat, re-sign Jermichael, re-sign Zubats you know, maybe sign a couple guys for like one-year deals, mm-hmm. bring that team back. There's going to be more expectations next season as it is. Yeah. But you got to start of that. Now, you know, we're talking top two, top three, top four in the West, whatever. And I just wonder how that changes the character of the group a little bit. If they do add a KD or Kawhi and it's like, well, now you guys are the favorites in the West or you're the, the co-favorites or, or the number two favorites, whatever. How does that change their identity? Because maybe it doesn't. Maybe those guys remain. I, mean, I think it's probably remaining who they are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to fit in now. You know, they, they kind of relish like that. One night it's Gal's night. Yeah. One night it's Lou's night. Yeah. One night it's Trez's night. If Katie's here, 
Most nights it's going to be KD's night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, if you just tonight. dropped 50, yeah, yeah. 30 in the first half. Like, if Kawhi's here, I think Kawhi fits their character more than KD does. But even for Kawhi, he's still putting up 27, 28 every night. Like, he's a go, yeah. he's a legit bonafide go-to guy. So I just wonder how, like, having that identity change. Like, I almost thought it was an advantage for them where if you were game planning for the Clippers, you didn't know. Like, you know, you t- try to take away Lou, mm. Trez could go off. Or you try mm. to take away Gal, Tobias could go off in the you know, first half of the season. Now it's like if you get a star, that's really the guy. And that kind of puts everyone else in a different – it puts Lou in a different stratosphere. It puts Gallo in a different stratosphere. So I do wonder how – you know, I think you 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 take the star, no-brainer. Like If you can get KD or Kawhi, you mm-hmm. do it. But how does that affect things? I, yeah. that, that's going to be an interesting question. It's a for very, me. very Clippers question. It's, uh, <laughs> how can everything go wrong, basically? <laughs> hey, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. At the same time – I don't see Lou or Trez or Papev if we resign him. I don't see those three guys being like, ah, eh, you know, like, oh, we got KD now. Like, I have to do something, something different. Like, no, they're going to show up to work, the professionals. They're going to play their hearts out because that's what they do. It's how they're wired, especially Pat Bev and Trez. Like, and Lou is just, he's a cold-blooded killer. He's not going to change. Yeah. Um, so I'm not worried about those three guys, and I'm not worried that a star will somehow make things worse. A star will will add unless, unless Kawhi Leonard's nagging injuries perk up again. A lot of lower body injury history yeah. for, for Kawhi Leonard, as well as Anthony Davis if they trade for him, as well as Kevin Durant who's going to be aging and getting older. And if he, his next deal might be his, his last max deal. Yeah. Probably going to be his last, last max deal in the yeah. league. And those three guys are obviously who the Clippers will will be targeting it's it's like no-brainer i don't think it's i don't need a source to tell me that they're going to go after those guys and as far as whether you can bank on them staying healthy or them staying top five top seven you said with with davis players in the league that remains to be remains to be seen again like a very clippers quandary is uh, how can everything go wrong how can everything explode and um yeah I, yeah, and I, I think that there are some potential pitfalls with, with some of these guys. Like you said, you know, KD's getting up there in age. Kawhi has the the injury history. Kyrie and Jimmy have now had some locker room issues in multiple stops. Oh, man, uh, Jimmy. Oh. Yeah, uh, don't oh. forget Jimmy. Oh, no. Um, hey, I, if, uh, if Lawrence and uh, Michael, if you guys are listening, do not sign Jimmy. <laughs> I am so out on Jimmy Butler. I really yeah, wanted him yeah. at the beginning of the season. Not, uh, not anymore. Clay might be like the one guy where you're like, well, if you could get Clay, like that's he doesn't really come with much yeah. downside. Although, like I, I think he quietly has a tendency to disappear and, and just like be a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And that's with teams scheming for Steph and KD. You would think like he would maybe go off a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think he he does have a underrated tendency to just disappear and have really quiet nights. Yeah, and I thought you saw that a bit in this series. Although the Clippers did play really good defense on him, but. What was your favorite moment of this season? I know it's it might be hard to boil it down to one. If you can't think of it, I have mine. Yeah, I mean, the low-hanging fruit is probably the 31-point comeback at Oracle, but that was, you know, it's very recent, and it was phenomenal, but it felt more of a... of like that was a moment for them to prove themselves for the rest of the league. Clippers fans already knew they were capable of this to a certain extent. 
it's a historic comeback. So I don't think I don't think I can be like, oh yeah, Clippers fans knew this could happen. You know, it's, it, yeah. it is. It was unexpected. It was very surprising and impressive and shocking. But man, I, you're putting me on the spot here. I got I got to think of a, a a good moment. I think after the trade, after the Tobias Harris trade, when we got Shamit, got Zoo, who. Thank you, Lakers, by the way, for, for Ivica Zubats, who basically was gifted to the Clippers in what remains one of the most fascinating heists of, my, of my, the 2019. Mike Muscala really helped that shooting. Yeah. Mike Muscala really, really helped those Lakers in the in their uh, path to the playoffs. Oh, wait. They're not. They never made the playoffs. Uh, anyways, uh, I could talk about how the Lakers failed for, for hours and hours on end. Uh, I will stop myself from doing so. Man, my favorite moment has to be after that, after the Tobias Harris trade, when they went on that string of, of games where they, they won. They went on the road and they won, like I believe, like three out of five or something like that, which was impressive at the time when the expectations were so low. And that might have been the, my favorite stretch is when they were discounted by everybody, including myself. I will not you know, get on my high horse and be like, oh, I thought they were going to be good. Like I did not think they were going to be good after the trade. But somehow, eighteen and nine again after the trade, eighteen and nine. And I think they were seventeen and five at, at one point. If, really? I'm, not mis- oh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, my my favorite moment was the Boston comeback. Oh and, yeah! Oh my god! I can't believe I forgot that. And and just Can because I my answer yeah. is that. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Because I, you know, so th- that was my first time getting heckled at a game, uh, which was which is its own thing. But it, it just it like Doc said it pregame. He he felt that that moment saved their season. Mm. Because after that, and I talked to Cinderius Thornwell after uh, after Game Five, and he said they had kind of had a team meeting after the trades, and you know it was their first time together, and they really kind of aired it out. Like, what are we doing here? Are we tanking? Are we trying to make the playoffs? Like, what's going on? And everyone, to a man in the locker room, said we're trying to make the playoffs. Like, yeah. let's let's continue defying expectations like we have all season. You know, just because we lost our quote-unquote best player doesn't mean that you know, the season's over. And I think that Boston win really was that spark that kind of lit the rest of the season for them because down 28 in Boston, Boston at that time is struggling. Yes. And, you know, there, there's a bunch of talk about how they're underachieving. And they, Kyrie that, was, that was talking a, a bunch of weird things. That was after yeah. the, the Kyrie thing. And then yeah. that night was the night Marcus Morris went off in the locker room about like, you know, too many or whatever. He's, we're not having fun. He, you know, yeah. he was saying yeah. uh, that was after that Clippers loss. And so Boston was in this really critical moment of their season where they're trying to get back on track. And the Clippers are in this critical moment of their season where they're just trying to, you know, remain in the playoff hunt. They, they had already, I think, dropped a little bit. I think they were on seven or eight at that point after being, a, you know, top five or so for most of the season. So you're looking at that and you're like, well, they're getting blown out. They're on the road. They're, they still have another game after this on their road trip, the Grammy trip. And you're kind of like, all right, like this is kind of where the season's going. And it was their first game together. So maybe you kind of give them a pass on that. But I just felt for them to come back for Landry, who no one was really saying that much about. Like some people were like, all right, he's nice. He's, he's a nice bench piece, whatever. Landry hit four threes in that fourth quarter. Mm. Uh, you saw Zubots coming in, re- you know, blocking a, a few shots, grabbing rebounds, kind of shoring up what Marcin Gortat couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm taking lots of shots in this pod. Uh, <laughs> you, you saw Garrett, Garrett Temple come in yeah. and, and play solid defense. Jermichael Green, despite what Doc said pregame, he did not have a good game in Boston. But from that point on, he was really good. So I just felt – I actually felt after the trades they got deeper – 
And, and I said that to, I was telling people, I was like, I think they're actually deeper now. They have more talent. Now they lost the big piece. And I thought losing Tobias was really going to mess up the offense. But really, it became a by committee thing where Lou stepped up, you know, scored more. Trez, Gallo, Shea. Mm. It was a by committee. Yeah. They kind of split up Tobias's scoring. But yeah. that moment to me was the most important moment of the season. And, and I felt, you know, of course it was a comeback. It had to be because this is the be comeback, comeback Clippers. Yeah. Like that, that's their nickname if, if they have one to me. But again, the memory I will have of this team, it'll be the Boston comeback and the Warriors comeback because. I felt like all season this team was the, at its best when it was counted out the most. And in those two instances, you know, I'm sure the, the game score probability was like point, you know, it was .01 in, in Golden mm-hmm. State. I'm sure it was similar in Boston. And this for this team to come back like that, uh, I just thought that encapsulated the season over anything else. Yeah, totally with you. Um, I didn't want to gloat too much about the, that victory over the Celtics because I work for <laughs> Phil Simmons, your former boss, my, my current boss, uh, <laughs> who's a renowned Celtics fan. But that was a very special game to be able to come back like that. And yeah, they are the comeback Clippers. And they'll forever be remembered as the comeback Clippers. Yeah, I can't help but look ahead, though, and, and think, what if we're just never down? You know, what if they're just ahead the entire game? Yeah. And that should be what the Clippers are aiming for, not to be down and then come back and win it. You know, that's that's really where my mind's at right now um, after this very emotional season is how can this team move forward and become the favorites walking into a, a playoff series? How can they have home court advantage come next April, next May? How can they be, you know, selling out crowds every night? Yeah, there was a lot of Clippers fans who, who came out and watched this team this, this season. A lot of the games that I've, I came here were packed out. At the same time, I went to a lot of Lakers games this season, too. The energy is different. The, the different. level of spectacle is different. And, you know, the Lakers are our fl- flawed franchise, and, and they have their own bevy of problems. That's but, their own podcast. Yes, <laughs> that's his own podcast. But, but the Lakers have one thing that, that's to their advantage is, is this history of winning and this respect and and they're always going to be the center of attention unless the Clippers really, really impress the city of Los Angeles and, and win a lot of games and, and hopefully win some championships. So that's something to look up to with with the Lakers is is that culture they've built where their fans are behind that team. And they're critical of that team, but they're behind that team. And the Clippers fans, we need to be able to to come out and this isn't the royal we. This is literally just this is the we as in Clippers fans. I'm a Clippers fan to come out and support this team and cheer really, really loudly when when we're here instead of it being like 60% Clippers fans and 40% the opposing team's crowd. Um, LA is a very diverse transplant city, but LA locals love the Clippers. It's 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 kind of like a dirty little secret that the Clippers have a have a pretty sizable grasp on the city of LA than most people think and. A lot of people laugh at me when I say that, even in L.A., but that's because they're, they're hanging out in Hollywood or, or Beverly Hills or downtown L.A. where we are right now. And But if you go out to the suburbs, you'll see a lot of Clippers banners. You'll see uh, a lot of flags that have the Clippers logo on it. You'll see a lot of people wearing Clippers gear. Like uh, yeah, like three days ago, I was like walking from my uh, my apartment door to my car, and I saw like two separate people wearing Clippers gear in like different sides of the street. And I was like, yeah, this is how it is in, in other parts of L.A. That's not the glitz and glamour. That's not the movie 
industry that's not you know the the spectacle seeking crowd and that clippers fandom i hope will grow and should grow and should shouldn't just grow in size but also in depth i i think one thing that that's going to be really important for this franchise moving forward and, and this is why i think the way they're rebuilding is so critical and it's so just it's it's impressive and it's nice to see is you know this team like you said earlier in the podcast like clipper fans have seen 30 plus years of bad basketball and and not just like bad basketball like literally the most horrific things like you 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 just look back like the sean livingston injury like michael candy going number one yeah just don't brand leaving all all the all yeah just yeah all the busts all the untapped potential all the like little flares of success that you know ended up going nowhere Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not it's not the same as like the westbrook durant uh harden thunder by any means (laughs) let me clarify that nowhere close but that that early 2000s team really should have become something together and and the fact that it they didn't yeah brandon mcgetty were part of that 2006 run but it just felt like, you know, and Darius kind of eventually tailed off with yeah, injuries and stuff. But, like, at least Lamar should have been part. Of, like, they should have had, you know, a majority of that team kind of for that decade yeah. together. And that ended up not being the case. And so so for me, I, I felt when they re-signed Blake Griffin, there were a lot of people who were against the move. Mm. And were like, just rebuild. You know, what are you doing? And obviously ended up trading him. But to me, I felt it was important to establish a winning culture for the Clippers organization and for, and for their fans just because they had been bad for so long. So you just enjoyed this six-year run of Lob City. Why tank now? Like, why why go back to that? You just had that for 30 years. So if there was ever a fan base that deserved a 45-win team, it was the Clippers. Because yeah. to me, like, what a 21 team, what does that get you again? It gets you, you know, fans are going to stop showing up to games as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just... You're breeding a, a Orlando culture. Well, Orlando made the playoffs this season, but like that stretch of Orlando was yeah, pretty Sacramento, rough. Sacramento, past, Phoenix, yeah. uh, whatever. Pick, the teams pick, that that have been losing for a very, very long the time. The Knicks. So, to me, I felt what they've done the last two years has been so important for the for the fan base because they really, you know, last, last season's team was very fun to root for too. Like yeah, not yeah, you know, not to absolutely. this extent, but I, I felt you know similar seasons. The season was more successful, but so let's fast forward. Okay. Today is April 26th. Correct. 2019. Yes. April 26th, 2020. Where are the Clippers? Where are they in the standings? Mm -hmm. Where are they in their first round playoff matchup? And who is leading that team? (sighs) Man. I don't have a crystal ball on me right now, so I don't know if, if any of this is going to be accurate. I think on that team will be Kawhi Leonard, for sure. I think that's everything you hear with the rumors, everything you hear from, you know, it's been reported. People have said this, and not just in the media, but you know, in little side alleyway talks and all that. And I think Kawhi Leonard will definitely be on the Clippers next year, and I think they will be either a three seed or even maybe a two seed. They'll be a really good regular season team, I think, because they'll preserve some depth from this this team. And I think a lot of veterans, good veterans, will want to sign 
minimum deals or, or very discounted deals uh, with this team if the team has Kawhi. Now, the second part of that, I would be shocked if Gallo is still on this team by April 2020. I think Gallo will either be traded this summer or during the season some sometime or at the trade deadline because he's an expiring deal and the front office has showed they they are keen on capitalizing on expiring savage deals. <laughs> extremely savage right Blake Griffin trade uh, and Tobias Harris trade the night after a game winner oh my goodness yeah, you know I was devastated with the Blake Griffin trade but that that turned out really well um, and man I think they'll they'll make it pretty far in the playoffs next year I heard somebody say I don't remember somebody tonight saying like they could win the championship next year Mike Hill Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadcast. I don't think I'm not going to go that far. It's not my instinct to have hope uh, to that extent. My instinct is to expect the worst case scenario, but to fight my in- instinct a little bit, I think they'll go far in the playoffs and I think they'll maybe reach the Western Conference Finals, maybe if things break right and maybe if Kevin Durant bolts for the Eastern Conference, uh, the Knicks have been rumored um, with him or comes to the Clippers. That'd be something. The Clippers will make it past at least some of the more formidable teams next year, if, whether that be Portland or, or the Warriors or even Houston. Yeah, I'm very hopeful for next season, and that's coming from somebody who has only experienced despair and dejection for the entirety of, of my basketball fandom. So, I'm, Do you agree? Do you, do you think that? Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to be a little more definitive. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'll say they, they get... I did a lot of hedging and couching. <laughs> they, they get Kawhi Leonard. Okay. I think there's a path to them getting Jimmy with Kawhi. <sighs> but Jimmy Jimmy on a two-year that's, deal. That's Jimmy, the worst, on, a, Jimmy no, on a two-year that's deal. That's the worst case scenario. Uh, I don't mind Jimmy on a two-year deal. But I don't... I mind I, him I very much. I, I, I don't love it. But uh, I don't mind it. But I'll say Kawhi Leonard, 55 win, three seed. Okay. I think Golden State and Houston are the top two seeds still. Yeah. Regardless of if KD leaves or not, I actually think KD leaving could bring a new life and joy to this Warriors team. Yeah. And you could as well as it. cap space. Yeah, and you you could see a situation where, you know, Steph re-enters the MVP conversation heavily, mm. and and Clay now has a bigger role, and. I don't know, maybe they re-signed Boogie on the cheap and he kind of bounces back next season at some point. With I, I just think the Golden State is not going away even if KD leaves. Yeah. They won't be invincible like yeah. they are right now, but I think... So I'm going to say three seed. I'm going to say they beat the Portland Trailblazers in round one mm-hmm. in the 3-6 matchup. I think 4-5 will be Utah and Denver. Okay. Uh, and then six will be Portland. And then they get the Warriors in round two. Mm. I'm not willing to... I don't know. That, that, that's a tough one. I, I want to see what the rest of the rosters look like for both teams. Yeah. I still think this Warriors team is pretty scary. I will say in this Katie. hypothetical, Jimmy and Kawhi on the wings defending Steph and Clay. I mean, you might. That's like... <laughs> I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go wild with it. I'll say they lose in the conference finals to the Rockets. Interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I think either this season or next season, the Rockets break through to the finals. That, okay. That's my... Um, Who do you have going all the way this season? Just curious. Heading into the season, I had Golden State Boston. Yeah. I was going to pick Boston again until the Marcus Smart injury. Mm. Once Marcus Smart got injured, I changed my pick to Milwaukee. 
I still think Milwaukee's going to make it. I'm starting to lean into Houston beating Golden State. I think wow. there are a lot of things that the Rockets and Clippers do similarly mm-hmm. and that they can replicate, but with more talent. Yeah. And, you know, I think, like, James and Lou play very similar games yeah. to, to an extent. You know, Chris and Pat, Chris can play that Pat role on KD or, or going into Stephen Clay. You know, Capella and, and Trez have some similarities. Obviously, Trez came from Houston. But... I, I, Eric Gordon, I think, is having a really had a really good first round against Utah. Like, I, I, yeah, no, I I think Austin Rivers. Uh, I know, I know that you're, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> he must re, not be re, named. redacted. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, bleak that out, please. Uh, um, but like, I, I just think I, I think Houston, if not win, I think they're pushing it to seven. I think they're yeah. going to go seven again. But I'm kind of le- like, I could see Houston. So they're rested now. Golden State, they're turnaround. They're playing game one on twelve thirty on Sunday. Yeah, that, that's you know thirty six hours from now. Right. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'll stick with the Warriors Bucks. Okay. But I'm like literally fifty one Warriors forty nine Rockets at this point, mm. and every day that's passing, I'm going more with the Rockets. So yeah. I think the Warriors beat the Bucks, and I'll say six. Okay. And KD leaves after the three peat. And I think that fits into the narrative he wants moving forward, which is like he walked away from this on his own terms. No mm-hmm. one's ever walked away from a three-peat. That's yeah. never happened. So I think he... Unless you count Jordan retiring. But yeah, right. yeah. But like he didn't leave to the Wizards after the three-peat. That would have been insane. That's basically what KD's going to do if he goes to the Knicks. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Is> leaving. <true. laughs> it is true. Is leaving for the Wizards. But we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll, we, we have this audio now. It is going to be on the interwebs. Yeah. And we can replay this. Yeah. April 2020. Yeah, it's like a little time capsule. Can I, before we leave, because I yeah. feel like you're, you're trying to wrap up now. We can, can, we, keep, we can keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, at, uh, really quick. we're at 45 minutes. So. Great, great, great. Before we leave, let's let's talk about the night that we met, that you and I met, because that was a very interesting night. Do you want to talk? Are you okay talking about this? I'm not. I'm a little. All right. All right. We well, first to? of all, I'll keep this PG. Okay. I won't go too far into it. And listen, you can cut this if you want. Okay. It's your podcast. Okay. I do want to explicate this because I don't think your listeners know, you know, what you look like or, or uh, what kind of person you are. Okay. But obviously, great guy. I'm Thank friends you. with you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you're also 5,000 feet tall. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're, you're very much uh, like, like Groot in the, in the Avengers. Okay. You're very, very tall. I'll take it. Five thousand might be might be a little generous, but uh, what what are you six five six five six five? And so we had been following each other on Twitter, and obviously I'm a Clippers fan. You uh, the Clippers beat writer for the Athletic, and you know we we, had, we were DMing on Twitter and we we're like, hey, let's meet up. You know, I was gonna go to the game. It was in December. Sacramento Kings were in town, and we met at halftime, like right outside of Section One Fifteen, and we you know I was like, hey, good to meet you in person. And <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. A group of women walk up to you and just immediately start hitting on you. It was incredible. I have never seen that level of dehydration in my life. Just like ever. From women or men, it doesn't matter. Like it was so absurdly apparent that they were hitting on you. And like it was an eye opening experience. Do you want to comment? Would you like to comment, <laughs> Jovan Buha? That next question. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was, uh, you know, that, that that was a fun, 
a fun interaction. Yeah, that let's keep fun, it there. Let's not. Yeah, let's not. It was go a fun halftime meetup. But yeah, no, that was. Uh, I guess that was quite the first impression. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But uh, no, man, I I, uh, I appreciate that. I feel like I've just disoriented you so much. We were just talking about. Basketball. Oh, I just wasn't sure where you. Uh, <laughs> oh. I had a feeling where you were going, but I wasn't sure where yeah, you were going. Yeah. But um, no, I, I appreciate that, and uh, I, I hope I hope the listeners enjoyed. That. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listen, listeners. Yeah, Jovan's a great guy. He's a very smart dude. Cares about the Clippers. Cares about the city of Los Angeles. Um, you should read all of his stuff seventeen times. You should refresh the, yes. the pages and subscribe, listen, leave yeah. comments, listen to his podcast. <laughs> Don't skip over the ads when you listen to his podcast. Listen to that. Just <laughs> just keep listening to the ad. And uh, what was it? A cup of coffee to subscribe to the yeah. Athletic. Yeah, yeah, do that. And also, let me plug plug yeah, uh, go, my go, side go, of things here. Yourself. Please listen to the Ringer Podcast Network. Listen to the yeah. Ringer NBA show. We're going almost daily during the weekdays uh, during the playoffs. And uh, listen to Binge Mode. Talk to Thrones on Sunday. We're cranking out content at TheRinger.com and ReadTheRinger.com also. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on. It's been a hell of a, it's been a, hell of a night. It's been a hell yeah. of a season. I'm very disoriented right now. Your story <laughs> threw me off. <laughs> oh, um, man. No, but seriously, like, I think uh, I started following you first. And, the re- you know, the reason I did that is because I'm, I'm a fan of your podcast stuff. You know, I, I think... The Ringer has set the standard for podcasts in this industry, and I think you've clearly been a big part of that. Also, your basketball is very, very good. After Clipper wins, it was a funny Twitter. I don't want to use the gimmick because now every time I say gimmick, it's I think of I think a, of Kevin Durant yeah, saying that yeah. about the defense. It's when a the, it's a recurring inside joke. Yes, a recurring yeah. inside joke, but. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to. I saw you. Your piece went up. Yeah. On the Ringer. Yeah. Okay, oh, you should so. you should read that. Yeah. Plug last, that. last minute plug. <laughs> I wrote about the Clippers on the Ringer.com. I am not a journalist by any <laughs> measure. Um, I took a few journalism classes in college, but that's about it. Um, shout out to my editor Justin Verrier for making me sound like I'm capable of putting words together in a coherent manner. And uh, please go read that. Um, I talk about basically everything I talked about on this podcast and in further detail so um, please go read that on theringer.com looking forward to it uh for everyone listening thank you for rocking with me this season for reading my work on the athletic for listening to this podcast for following me on twitter and instagram for you know responding to to you know asking me questions responding to my pieces giving me feedback participating in live q and a's asking me questions on twitter for for my mailbags like all that stuff it it really does not go unnoticed i you know i could probably list off 50 people i i interact with consistently across multiple platforms and i thank you uh you know i would not have my job if it wasn't for you guys caring and you guys paying attention to the clippers and, and my work and stuff so it's a bittersweet moment right now i, I try to be stoic and emotionless and kind of remove my you know subjectivity from all this but right now it's it's i'm a bit sad wow. it's a bit oh my god i, I know You're it's, emotional? I'm, I'm, I'm emotional Yovan right now Buda over here <laughs> is getting emotional this is incredible it's uh yeah man i'm you know it's like you're going and going and going in the season yeah. and then like this happens and then it's just like it's over like yeah. this is my last time at staples center until october you know, it's last time being around the Clippers will be tomorrow morning at exit interviews. And after that, 
when they're announcing Kawhi Leonard on, on July 1st. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for, for listening, for reading my stuff, for subscribing. Please, if you have not subscribed to The Athletic yet, uh, do so. You could try it out for a one-week free trial. Sign up for the price four of a... Four slices of pizza. Yeah, I've been trying to keep it going. <laughs> yeah. So four slices of pizza. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, please do so. You could find the the podcast well you're listening to it right now but if, if you can't find it in your phone for some reason search clip city or blue wire and subscribe leave a five-star review leave a very nice loving comment and i will be sure to read all those and then respond to you throughout the summer it's a big summer for the clippers hopefully a big summer for me for isaac and thank you guys again Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.